know a lot of people have been saying Nigeria, Nigeria, all we love to do is pray. Prayer with no action and stuff like that. But what most people don't understand is that prayer is what makes our actions meaningful. Yeah. Action that is not guided divinely will result in more calamity than what we have experienced already. So, if we're praying and we're where we are, then you can imagine what will happen if we don't pray at all. I've had the privilege of visiting some African countries where the devil has been given a foothold and the ground to operate. When you go to such places, even after many years of the war, the effect of the war is still very tangible. Anytime you have the opportunity of visiting a war-torn country, please walk on the street, try to meet one or two people and ask them questions about their experience about the war, especially the younger people. They will tell you. So most of them have been refugees in one or two countries. They've spent five to seven years outside of their country. They're disillusioned. They're mostly alcoholics because they got used to that while they were displaced everywhere. All kinds of things have happened to them. Some people said action, action, action. How many of us still remember the Arab Spring? How did it end? Where are they today? Are those countries completely transformed? Action must be guided with prayers. Yeah. So whether it's prayer you know to do, pray. If it's action, make sure that your action is guided by prayers. But there are certain things that will not happen except we pray. As we celebrate our country's anniversary tomorrow, I want to encourage each and every one of us to lift Nigeria up in prayer, to speak a blessing over this country, not to join the people who just love to talk Nigeria down. Yeah. Because there will be all kinds of commentaries on social media tomorrow. Let your own be the one that will give hope. And we're not talking about empty hope. We're talking about real hope. Hope that this nation will still change in our lifetime. Can I get an amen to that? And also, we need to play our part by engaging in how the country is run through politics and governance and the different levels of leadership that God will put us as we do our thing all around the nation. So whether you are in business, you are in education, you are in entertainment and arts, you are in music, you know, you are in the health sector, wherever you found yourself, play your part. The leaders from Abuja can make policies. But how every establishment is run on a day-to-day basis depends on you and I. It depends on you and I. There's no government policy that says uh, this place will run well as a church, for instance. But it depends on the leadership of the church. And it's the same thing with your business. It's the same thing with whatever you do. We, when we run what God has put in our hands well, we are contributing our part to how our nation is going to develop. And the people who are running stuff well are then the people that we need to run the nation well, to run the local governments well, to run the states well, and to represent us in the assemblies where decisions are made and where laws are, you know, are, are, you know, promulgated 
So, I want us all to make that commitment that in our lifetime, this nation will change and we're going to play our part. And may God help us in Jesus' name. Praise God. All right. The business of the day. I want you to help me look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor love is in the atmosphere. So it's time to share love. Praise God. I'm sure on your way out, I mean, on your way in, you saw all kinds of gifts, uh, roses, different things out there. They're not for decoration. They're for sale. Yeah. We are vendors who are selling them and it's to show love to somebody that you admire, somebody that you are married to. But if you are here, you are single. You are not excluded from buying roses today. But I'm talking about the young men here. Yeah. Spice up your friendships and your relationships. As we celebrate love today, it's not just about the married couples. It's about all of us. Because love makes the world to go around. And the love of God will be shed abroad in our hearts afresh in Jesus' name. Say, believe in amen. All right. I want to bring a short word this morning. Just a word of exhortation. This service is dedicated to the reaffirmation of our vows as couples. If you're not sitting with your spouse and they're in the service, either you locate them now or when the time comes, you have to shift space and go and meet them where they are. And if you're in the service today and you're single, as all this will be going on, I want to pray in your heart to be, Lord, I desire to have a blissful home. And I trust you to order my steps into it. When you stay in an atmosphere, the atmosphere rubs off on you. Yeah. So the atmosphere of this service must go with everyone trusting God to establish their marital destinies. And the atmosphere of this service must go with everyone who is already married to say, Lord, we need divine establishment in this home. When anything is established, it becomes strong. When you see a tree that is planted, that is established, when the wind and the waves come, they, it may rock the tree, but it may not be able to uproot the tree. Yeah. So that's the grace that I believe will be released here this morning, and it will go with all of us as we go in the precious name of Jesus. I've titled the sharing of this morning, Feel the Water Pots. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, Feel the Water Pots. By the way, all through this month, starting from tomorrow, our morning prayers will resume from 6 to 7 a.m. on the Zoom app. Uh, so we're going to be praying for Nigeria, praying for families, praying for our church. People will drop prayer points, you know, and all that. I want you to be a part of that. I, I just spoke about prayer and praying for our nation. So one of the ways you can embrace that is to join the prayer online. If you go on the website of the church or on our app, you'll see the link there also. Join the Zoom app. If you don't have the, I mean, if you don't have the Zoom app, download it. Join the prayer. Just be a part of this. We, 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 we have space online to take a couple of thousand people uh, to join the prayers. So the system is not going to be jammed by the crowd. So join in. Join in every morning. Join in every morning. And let's do that all through the month of October, uh, excluding only Sundays, Monday to Saturday, 6 to 7 a.m. every morning, we're going to be praying together. Fill the water pots. John chapter 2, I'll read from verse 1 down to 10. John chapter 2 from verse 1 down to 10. John chapter 2 from verse 1 down to 10. Popular passage. 
on the wedding at Canal Galilee. Many messages have been preached from this passage, but this is just what God put in my heart this morning to exhort all of us as we reaffirm our vows this morning and looking into the things that God has in mind for us and the responsibility that is laying on us at this time. Praise God. John chapter 2 and verse number 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. They have no wine. If I will pause here to say one or two things, one is that the mother of Jesus was present. That means there was there's an intermediary. I was answering questions with singles yesterday, and the lady asked a question. Um, my fiancé doesn't want us to go for counseling. He believes that his relationship is between him and God, and God can, you know, God talks to him, so he doesn't need any counseling as we prepare for this wedding. And in our marriage, he just said he doesn't need any counseling, anybody. And I told the young lady, uh, Think very well before you marry this young man. Because he's breaking one of the major values in life, which is accountability. Yeah. Anything that is left to itself will spoil. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron. So a brother will sharpen the countenance of his friends. And the Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. And if somebody would get seen all that and say, I don't need anybody to talk to me. I also said, uh, we say that experience is the best teacher, but that's when it's not your own. If you wait for experience to be your own before you can be your best teacher, your life may never remain the same again. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody had an experience that resulted in a broken leg, you don't want to experience that. You just want them to tell you about it so that you can escape that. Yeah. So experience is the best teacher when it's not your own because sometimes it can be fatal. Yeah. And that's where, why you need to listen. So the Bible says here, Jesus was invited and his disciples also. And the, the mother of Jesus was also there. So they ran out of wine. And the mother of Jesus said to Jesus, they have no wine. Verse 4. Then Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servant, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of the purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots. Somebody tell your neighbor for me, say, Fill the water pots. So Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And when and they filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, Draw out some now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was now made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servant who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, Every man at the beginning set out the good wine. And when the guests are well drunk, they then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. May good wine endure in your home. I said, may good wine endure in your home. 
If you used to be a drinker, maybe you're still an active drinker, or a retired drinker, like most of the people I have in the house this morning, you know there are different grades in shaking. Different levels. You have the 7%, the 14%, the 17%. Those are still the realm of red wine and all kinds of wine. When you start to talk about spirit, that is possession. Yeah. You cannot encounter a spirit and remain the same. And you know the places where they sell, they always have this written. Liquor, wine, and spirit. It's just to tell you that they are in grades. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about alcohol that brings an intoxicating experience. A lot of relationship, except you are arranged for one another, will start with an intoxicating experience. Yeah. If it's not an RNG, you know, like we say it in this part of the world, RNG marriage, where they just go to your village, gather a babe, and post her to you. And then you get home from work and look. I say, Madam, who are you looking for? And they said, you know, I, I, I came, they sent me from home. I said, to do what? I'm your wife. <laughs> that kind of arrangement may not start with intoxication. It may end there if, it's, uh, if you work at it. But I'm talking about a, a real relationship where you see a babe, you see a dude. Say, what a babe, what a dude, you know. And you, <laughs> you look and you, you see the goodness of God and you say, oh, oh my God, oh my God. Oh my God, I'm, my breath is, 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 is going, you know. That kind of thing. So there's an intoxicating experience in that. That's how marriages start. That's where marriages or relationships start from. But from time to time, we need to be honest about where we are in our relationships. You have to be aware that your wine has run out or is running out or something has changed. You have to be aware of that. Yeah. You have to be aware that there's no more wine in this relationship. At the marriage at Canal Galilee, they came to a point where they realized that they ran out of wine. You know, the, 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 the important thing is that many a times, people don't even know that wine is no longer available. Until we start to fight. And there's a lot of bickering and, you know, a lot of animosity and the whole place is turning apart. It's almost getting into physical violence. That's when we realize, how did we get here? We started from wine. This thing is no longer intoxicating. There's no fun. There's no, you know, Many people get to that point before they even realize it at all. When wine was getting low, we didn't do anything about it. We thought it would be self-replenishing. But many people don't realize that marital wine is not self-replenishing. It requires a bit of effort to replenish it. Sometimes it, take a, it takes a miracle. A lot of time it takes a lot of effort. Marriage is not designed to run 
purely on water, but on wine. It's supposed to be an intoxicating experience. As we reaffirm our vows this morning, people here, I met a couple after the first service, they were celebrating their 40th wedding anniversary. Yeah. 40th. Met them just outside there as I was about to start, you know, signing books. They walked up to me. I've known them in this church for, I think, about four years. Yeah. They're celebrating their 40th anniversary. They have their children in this church and their grandchildren in this church. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. So we have people here who have been together 30 years, 25 years, 20 years. We had a couple's retreat a couple of weeks ago in Ekpe, and um, the oldest couple at the couple's retreat this year have been married for 29 years. Yeah. And we celebrated them at the retreat. So we have different degrees of marriages in this church. We have people here who have been married three months. Yeah. Yeah. We need to gauge your wine because your wine should be full bottle right now. Anything is short of that, you need prayers. <laughs> After three months. <laughs> Praise God. So, obviously, we also have different and varying levels. If you use the dipstick on the wine of this home, you know what a dipstick is. Many people drive today without opening the bonnet. Back in the day, every morning, you have to check. <laughs> but thank God for prosperity. Today, most of us drive, drive, drive smart cars. That will show you on your dashboard whether the oil is okay or not. But back in the day, yeah, my first experience driving a car was a Volvo 240 GLE. Yeah, the car was driving me. I was not the one driving it. Yes, yes. <laughs> if you rev it once, four liters have gone. Of where? That's gone. <laughs> I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is to check the engine oil. Check the radiator to see that there's water there. Yeah. And then the fuel gauge is not working, so you have to go by faith. <laughs> and look for the first, the first gas station that you can find and fill up your tank. We need to check the level of the wine from time to time so that we are not caught unawares. Marriage that's supposed to bring goodness does not start to bring wickedness because we have become you know, oblivious of what's going on around us. When the wine ran out, Mary gave them the first instruction. When wine seemed to be running out, you have to seek instruction. Mary said, whatever he asked you to do, do it. Whatever. He said, do it. Do it. Do it. Because you have to be willing to do something about the wineless situation that may have occurred in your marriage. Jesus told them to take responsibility for filling the empty water pots before a miracle of wine can happen. I once read a story about a young man who got himself into a wineless situation. And this guy just thought to himself, you know when people get into this wineless situation, they, they feel like, I, don't know, I no longer love this person. And a lot of the time, when you ask them, they can't explain it. They can only explain the bitterness and the bad behavior. But they cannot say this is where it started from or anything like that. Those, all those bad behaviors and bitterness, they're just holes that the enemy punches in your wine bottle for the wine to drain faster. Yeah. 
Can somebody give you a very bad lie? The one just dream. Yeah. Because there can no longer be trust. Another hole is when somebody refuses to take responsibility in the home. The wine is draining. Before you know it, no more wine. This guy got to that point and he made up his mind, I'm going to file for a divorce. And then he went and got a very astute divorce lawyer told him, I want a divorce. What's your bill? The man told him his bill. But the man said, before we even discuss any bill, tell me a little more about your home. So he said a few things about what's going on and he said, you know what? Don't even try to persuade me. I'm done. Done. I want out. Done. And the man said, no problem. Uh, how long do you want this case to be? He said, I want it as fast as possible. I cannot continue like this. He said, if you want it fast, then we have to build your case in such a way that when we file, it's going to go straight and smooth. Your spouse will have no defense. We will have built all kinds of cases you know, against her. The man said, yes, yes, you know your job. Okay, tell me how to build the case. So the man said, no problem. This is what you're going to do. All the things that you guys have been fighting about, you're going to take a different position about them. And you're going to become nice to her and document all your niceness. Because when I file, it's going to be words and opposite. And it's going to, just going to have a smooth sail. She said, so, make sure that before you leave home in the morning, you hug her, give her a peck, and tell her you love her. And go to work. Everything that happens because of the day, if he sends you a bad text message, forward it to my mailbox. Yeah. So when is her birthday? Say, her birthday is about three weeks' time. Say, okay, it's good. Because in the next 30 days, I want us to build a case against her. Buy her a very powerful gift. Take a picture of it, mail it to me. Yeah. Make sure that all her reaction, if she's abusing you or anything, you record it and send it. So I build it, you know, just build it like that. It's going to, you don't worry, this thing is going to be fast. Yeah. Very sharp. <laughs> so the guy went ahead, was doing all those things, said, take responsibility for everything in the house. Keep all your bills. Send me photocopies in my email box. Make sure you pick the children from school when you're supposed to pick them. Yeah. As you are getting home with them, take a picture with them, selfie with them, and send it to me. <laughs> so the guy was doing everything. I was updating his lawyer. And the lawyer said, in 30 days, we're going to compare notes, and I'm, making, I'm going to file the first Monday of the new month. So no problem. So he was doing everything, doing everything. Now, he went to see his lawyer at the end of the month, sat across the table, and the lawyer said, I've seen all the things you've sent. Um, I will file on Monday. I just want to know how you feel about the whole thing right now before we file. And the man looked at his lawyer and said, I don't want you to file. He said, why? Did you change your mind? He said, yes. He said, my wife has changed. He said, no wonder, I've not been seeing negative reactions sent to my mail. When you bought her the birthday gift and all that, she said, oh, she was very happy. She appreciated it, you know. Uh, now, you know, when I started hugging her in the morning and giving her a peck, she used to be very stiff, but now she enjoys it. She hugs me back, you know. And the lawyer looked at him and said, you know, this is a game. He said, you know me as a lawyer, as a divorce lawyer, but what you don't know me as is that I'm a Christian counselor. 
When you told me everything you said, I knew there's no basis for divorce in your home. I just wanted to help you to see it. If I spoke to you about it that day, you won't listen. Yeah. That if you pay your part and fill the water pots, there will be wine. <laughs> Praise God. So Jesus told them to take responsibility for filling the empty water pots before he produced the wine they wanted. The Bible says there that there are six water pots. The water pots were completely empty. Water speaks to the mundane things of marriage. Many people think that marriage is all about the romantic expressions, the fire, the butterfly in our stomach, you know, and all those things. That's one side of marriage. The day-to-day side of marriage is practical work. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And he drew water to do that, you know, in a jar. In the days that they lived and in the days that the Bible was written, they walked to most of the places. They rode on the back of animals and walked. It was desert region. People wore, wore slippers and, you know, uh, and uh, slippers and, um, and um, sandals. That's what people wore, slippers and sandals. And most of the time, people don't want you to come into their homes with dirty food. So what happened is that in a middle class home, they have somebody who, who did that, who was paid to do that. So there has to be water in the port at the entrance. It speaks to service. The little, little things that we do or that we should do, that the accumulation of it becomes wine, becomes intoxicating when God lays his hands on it. Many marriages have moved from wine to water, but now even the water pots are empty. Because even the little things the mundane things, we no longer pay attention to them. Somebody is looking for who will fill the water pot. And if you don't fill it, if you fed one bucket, I fed half a gallon. That's how we operate. Small, small, small. Even the water pots are almost empty in many homes. So, there are six water pots in a marriage. Parts of responsibility, of kindness, of respect, of security. 